this week, um, this week um, two Mormon missionaries came to my door, and it's not a joke, it's not a joke. <laughs> but the song just uh, connected for me, um, and, and they wanted to talk to me, and I said, I have one question. I said, what's your hope? What good news do you have? And they said, the good news is that God can give your family, make your family good, and God can, can make your life here good. You know, and I said, that sounds more like a wage than any kind of good news. So the real good news of the gospel, I said, read your Bibles, because you have them, so read them. Um, read your Bibles, because the good news is Romans 4, 5, to the man who does not work but believes. His faith is credited to him as righteousness. Because of Christ, we get to stand before God, exactly what Tim was singing. That's the good news. Not because we earn it, but because Christ gives it. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, give us this good news again. Speak it loud to us. In the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our doubts, Lord, speak your word of promise to us. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to trust that we're forgiven. That Jesus truly is your son. And that in him we have life. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The devil was having a garage sale, and he decided to sell a bunch of his tools, and he marked them the appropriate price. He had one of his tools, he had a whole table of tools hatred, envy, lust, deceit, lying, and pride. All right there for people to buy. Well, laying on the side, off to the side on a different table was another tool. And a buyer pointed out and said, what's that tool? And why is it ten times as much as these tools over here? Well, the devil replied, well, that's discouragement. Well, why is the price so high? The man replied. Because it's more useful to me, the devil said, than any of the other tools. For with discouragement, I can pry open a man's heart. And once inside, I can make him do whatever I choose. In fact, that's why it's so badly worn, because I use it on everyone. But few know that it belongs to me. Have you ever felt discouraged? Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Of course you have. All people have experienced these feelings. It might be over financial problems that cause you to doubt God's provision. It might be because of a doctor's report. It might be because someone who loves you has rejected you. Or it might even be because there's a sin in your life that you just keep committing, committing, and committing. And the more you try, the more it entangles you. And before long, you wonder if God, how God could actually love you when you sin over and over and over. Whatever the cause... It's easy to feel discouragement. It's easy to feel as though God has abandoned you. In our reading from the Gospel of John, we find the disciples discouraged. The setting is they're in the upper room. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. Jesus has fed them. And Jesus has then told them that I'm going to a place where you cannot follow. And they ask, where is that? I'm going to my Father's place to prepare many rooms for you. 
In other words, I'm leaving. The disciples wondered to themselves, now what? With Jesus gone, how can we go on? And so in verse 8, Philip says a wonderful statement. He says to Jesus, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. In other words, Jesus, knowing that you're going to be gone, give us a picture of God to hold on to. Show us something of, of God the Father so that, so that we can hold on to it when life gets tough, when we get discouraged, when we feel abandoned. Give us a picture of God the Father, Jesus, so we can hold tight to it. That's a reasonable request. I think all of us would like such a picture. In fact, we know the values of, of pictures and holding on to them. Alistair McGrath shares a story about a picture he found in his aunt's um, desk. His aunt was 80 years old. She died. She was never married. But as he was putting together, um, putting away her stuff after her death, he found this picture. And the picture was of a young man, and it was, it was, it was folded, and it was, you could tell it had been held many times. Alistair asked around, and he found out that his aunt had once been in love. When she was a young woman, she had been in love dearly and deeply. She loved this man, and this man loved her. This man died tragically, and it wounded her so deeply that she never would get married to anyone. Instead, she'd hold on to this picture and hold on to this picture as a, a sign to her that she had loved and that someone had loved her. And that picture would be very important all, later in her life because, because she would begin to doubt if she'd ever been loved. She would doubt if, if she'd really loved them, loved this man. Was it all in her head? All she'd then have to do is get that picture back and hold on to it. And look at the, her beloved and be reminded once again that she had loved and she had been loved by someone. The picture was the link for her to that past memory, that past time. The disciples needed a picture. Jesus is going to the Father. They need something to hold on to while he's away. And so Philip asks, for a picture. Give us a picture of the Father, and that will be enough for us. Well, what picture is Jesus to give them? What picture of the Father should Jesus give them to show them that it really is enough? Should Jesus show God's power? Is that the picture he should give? Well, hasn't Jesus already done that? He's turned water into wine. He fed the 5,000. He healed the sick. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Those should be big enough signs for them. They should hold on to those. That's God revealing his power. But that wasn't enough for them. Well, maybe instead Jesus should have God speak to his disciples. Surely if they heard the voice of God speak, then they would forever be changed. Hadn't they already heard the voice of God at the baptism, at the transfiguration? Or in John chapter 12, at the triumphal entry, Jesus prays, God, glorify your Son that you might be glorified. 
And God responds by saying, I have glorified it, God's name, and will glorify it again. The disciples had heard God speak. Surely that would be enough for them to hold on to. But it wasn't. This is important for all of us. Because when we're losing control of our lives, we want something to hold on to. And so we ask God for a sign. God, do a miracle. God, speak in an amazing way. Speak to us. Give us this sign so that we can hold on to it when our life is falling apart. You've probably prayed for such a sign. It's funny, you pray for such a sign. You pray for God to speak, and it doesn't happen. I mean, sure, like the, the, uh, a rose might bloom and you go, okay, God loves me. But, but what does that mean? Wasn't the rose just blooming anyway? I mean, you get in this mind where, God, give me this sign, and you get all these signs, and you don't know what these signs are and which ones you hold on to and, and what word is that, and, and you get all confused because you're looking for this sign, and you're not getting it. Even worse, as you look for signs... Your life starts falling apart and you start wondering, what does this mean? You ask God to heal you and you don't get healed. Does that mean God hates you? You ask God to help you with your financial problems and you don't get help. Does that mean God is mad at you? Or what about the opposite? Does health mean God loves you? Does do financials, does financial success mean God loves you? That you've been faithful? You know, how many of you have seen Donald Trump's show? <laughs> Makes you wonder how that can be the case. Finances doesn't mean God loves you, and the lack of them doesn't mean God hates you. Health doesn't mean God loves you, and the, and the lack of it means God hates you. The, those signs are signs that will always lead you confused because God is not going to reveal himself to you in those things. In fact, even more, Scripture talks about God actually hides from us in those things. He hides from you in this physical world because he doesn't want you looking for him in those things. Because God knows you'll be up one day and you'll be down the next and you'll be sideways the third day. And so God doesn't want you looking for those things. God doesn't want you grabbing those things because God knows the devil will use those very things to throw you around, confuse you, and tumble you into despair and discouragement. And so God hides from us in this area, these areas, so that we wouldn't seek him there because God wants us to find him somewhere else. God wants us to find him and his will in the person of Jesus, not in signs, but in Jesus. And that's what Jesus says in verses 9 and 10. We hear Jesus' answer to the question, show us the Father. And this is what Jesus says in verses 9 and 10. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? In other words, Philip, you want to see the Father? He has a face. It's right here. 
You want to know what God looks like? He has a face. It's right before you. You want to know the will of God? He's right there, Philip. It's Jesus. Don't go looking for signs and wonders. Philip, look at me, Jesus says. Look at Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know to get a real picture of God, you have to look no further than the face of Jesus? Jesus is God incarnate. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the face of God. But for many of us, we need more than a face. We need words as well. And that's why Jesus keeps on going in this passage. He says, The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Bless you. Not only in uh, these words, Jesus saying that you've seen the face of God, in Jesus, you've heard the voice of God. Every word from Jesus' lips is God's word. Every time Jesus forgives a sinner, that's God Almighty forgiving a sinner. Every time Jesus heals a person, that's God Almighty healing a person. Every time Jesus offers a promise to sinners, to tax collectors, to you and me, it's God Almighty offering that promise to you and me. Listen to some of the wonderful promises spoken by Jesus and thus spoken by God Almighty who created heaven and earth. Listen to these promises for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Or John 6. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Or John 10. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Or John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus, give us a picture of the Father. And Jesus responds, and listen to my voice and hear these promises because these are promises of God Almighty for you. Spoken this day for you. Every promise is God's promise to you. Hold on to them. And yet, if you're still like me, you want more of a picture. Okay, Jesus, we've seen your face, we've heard your promises, but give us more, please. Jesus does that. He says, look at all the great things Christians have done. Listen to verses 12 through 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. 
He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Tony Campolo was reflecting on these words. And he, he thought to himself, how in the world can we do greater things than Jesus? And then he began to tell a story of a time when he was in Haiti. And if you know about Tony Campolo, he's done a lot of work in Haiti. They have a lot of missionary work, a lot of orphanages in Haiti. And one day, as he was heading back to the airport, he would stay at the, it's the Holiday Inn, where he'd always stay before going, flying out. And that evening, a young girl, three young girls came up to him. And they said to him, what the oldest said, who couldn't have been more than 15, said, Mr., for $10, I'll do anything you want me to do. Do you know what I mean by that? And Tony said, yeah, I know what you mean. And then he looked at the second girl and he said, what about you, $10? She said, yeah. What about the third, $10? Yeah. He said, okay, my room's 210. Come up here in 10 minutes. Tony went ahead of them. He called down to the desk and said, I want every Walt Disney video that you have. And do you make banana splits? Yeah. He said, make them big. Pile them with lots of ice cream, lots of whipped cream. I want four of those. <laughs> Tony's not a small man, either, you know. He said the girls came up. And that evening, they sat on the bed eating banana splits and watching Walt Disney videos all night long, laughing. These were young girls, no older than 15. Well, about one in the morning, as Tony saw that the girls were asleep on the bed, he began thinking to himself, you know, nothing's really changed by this. Tomorrow they're going to have to go back to their horrible life. He began to cry and he began to pray. And there God comforted him. There God broke into him and he really believed the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, yeah, but for one night, for one night you let these little girls be girls again. Campolo goes on to say, I know what you're going to say. You're not going to compare this with what Jesus did by walking on water. And Tony says, no, I'm not, for a very obvious reason. If Jesus was to make a decision, which is the greater work, walking on water or giving a childhood back to a girl, which one is more important to God Almighty? The decision is very clear. It's not walking on water. It's being human and offering love to these people who have not experienced love. That is the greater work. And the best part is, is that the Christian church isn't just one person doing this. But it's hundreds and thousands and ten thousands and millions and billions of people throughout history been loving the world and showing Christ to them. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. If you have doubt 
If you believe God has forsaken you, come to my office. I'll drive you down the inner city to see world impact. And you can see what God is doing in that place. And you can see the lives that God is changing. You won't doubt after seeing that and seeing those orphan kids who are coming to know Jesus, who are being loved by Christians. If you have doubt, look at what the Christian church is doing. Not at all the terrible things they're doing, because that's not in the Christian church. That's the visible hierarchy, whatever that is. But what Christians are doing, it's beautiful. And yet still, we might need more of a picture, because we still doubt. And so Jesus has a final picture for us this day. When did Jesus say these words? The night before his death. The night before his death. The very next day, Jesus would go and he would be mounted on the cross and his arms would be stretched wide so that you might believe that God Almighty loves you and that God Almighty has forgiven you and that God Almighty is preparing a place for you and that God Almighty is greater than sin, death, and the devil. And so he died on the cross. Reformation, do you feel abandoned and forsaken? Do you need a picture of God to hold on to this day? Jesus then comes down from heaven and says, hold on to me and hold on to my words and see the great things Christians have done in my name. Look at the cross. This is your picture. You are not alone you are not abandoned. You are not forsaken. You are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.